Hi, I'm Ted Flanagan, and welcome to EcoMotion Conversations. Uh, we're on location in San Pedro, California. Uh, the purpose of this podcast series is to meet and converse with really interesting people. I call them green thinkers. Uh, the podcast fits nicely into EcoMotion's mission of the cost-effective greening of cities, corporations, and campuses. Uh, this is one heck of a cost-effective installation. We're going to hear a lot about it. Uh, EcoMotion Conversations are podcasts that challenge us. Uh, they inspire us. They, they're intended to, to motivate all of us. And I know that John Fort, uh, founder uh, and CEO of Permacity Solar, will certainly do that. John Port is uh, an entrepreneur extraordinaire. Um, he considers himself a sustainability designer and planner. Um, John, welcome to the podcast. Tell us where the heck we are. It's a pleasure to be here in the lovely city of Los Angeles at the port of Los, entrance to the port of Los Angeles. And right now we're on a rooftop that you know quite a bit about. Yeah, we're on the uh, world's largest solar rooftop. We got a, a view to the ships in the harbor on the one side. It's two thousand. The largest roof in this complex is 2,000 feet long, and on the other side, we got a great view of, of uh, Palos Verdes. And of course, over here we've got an oil refinery, which stands in stark contrast to the clean energy future that you've dedicated your career to. That's right. This is, this is we think, I hope this is a major step in getting us beyond fossil fuels. Excellent. Excellent. So let's back up before we talk about this project in some more detail. There's lots of exciting aspects about this project. But let's, talk up, let's back up and talk a little bit about, about you. You grew up in Los Angeles. Tell us about, just as a snapshot, or two, what, what was your upbringing like in L.A.? Kind of normal. Normal. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in uh, Santa Monica Canyon went in the Palisades. Grew up surfing, riding my bike everywhere from you know, probably a very young age, things that we don't let kids do now um, for some reason. And, uh, sure. and watching the environment around us rapidly develop. Yeah. Was it was it the the water quality and the uh, when you were surfing that that really triggered your passion for environmentalism or was it the the pollution in L.A. or a combination of all that or? So I ca I came about this kind of from an urban planning perspective and sustainable development. Um, I think I always felt that treating well as a surfer we always want to treat the environment properly. We all grew up with dirty water, sewage leaks, heavy smog at times uh, at the beach, but heavy smog throughout LA, which is, uh, we've seen some great changes now. Of course, the smog's cleared quite a bit. We still have uh, water pollution that's cleaning up, but I think that's made me very sensitive and, and very aware of the environment, the rapid development, the congestion, um, the sensitivity to building materials that are causing global warming, and of course, two degrees in planning and sustainable development, it made sense to uh, use that education to do something good. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, before we get to college, uh, high school was uh, surfing, uh, girls, uh, what, what, was the, uh, what was the focus? I'd love to say it was mostly girls, but it was mostly surfing. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And then a lot of surfing. A lot right, of surfing. But, uh, yeah, a surfer dude, I know. Uh, you can go to your website and see pictures of you surfing. And actually, there's a, uh, I think you surfed the, the, surfed the long waves in Peru, or didn't you do that fairly recently? Uh, last five years, I, I did on my bucket list. I went to Chicama. It's the longest wave in the world. It's a mile and a half. You can only, at the time I was there, make it a mile. Um, and it was uh, 
quite exhilarating. And it that's about, off the Peruvian coast? Off the Peruvian coast. Yeah, we got it um, about six to ten feet mile. We'd serve a mile and a half, but after a mile there was a 30-foot section we couldn't quite make it through, so we'd have to catch another one for the next section. It's quite fun. <laughs> that sounds it. Quite All amazing. Right. So then, then college, uh, I knew you were at Cal, um, Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, and that was all about urban planning and, and design. You wanted to take the, what you'd seen as a kid in LA, you wanted to make it better. Yeah, I took a three-year break uh, after starting at UCLA early. I went to college early, um, graduated high school early, went to college early. Um, got pretty bored at UCLA, but it was a great school. It just didn't, wasn't at Cal Poly. Wound up three years later at Cal Poly in urban planning. Thought it was just amazing to learn about how, how you can really think 40 years in the future decide your actions now and, 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 and sort of move towards that. Yeah. It was a great process of learning, great school too. But then was that where you developed this, the, the Permacity Theory, or was that, was that over in New Zealand that you sort of drilled deeper into how oh. to redesign society? So because I took three years off and went sailing and surfing and all the other stuff, I had to catch up. So I went straight through and then I, um, I did an exchange uh, while at Cal Poly in New Zealand at Massey University for a year. And then when I, uh, when I graduated, I went back and I did a graduate degree at Auckland University in um, sustainable, I, we call it sustainable development, they call it sustainable living settlements. And that, that's where I, I, I started the permacity theory, which comes from, from permaculture, about how you, everyone knows what permaculture is, how you kind of live in harmony and grow with the land, and, um, and really the city. And there's, there was other, other garden city theory, and there was Doxiatis, the theory of acoustics. Um, other great thinkers well before our time that had really tried to think through the linkages of just how do we how do we re, how do we react as human beings how do we work together or how do we live together to create better places to live and so permanent city just means very simply per, permanent city permacity means permanent city it's, it's an evolving permanent city yeah let's talk a little bit about permaculture is that that term seems like something that's sort of gone away in the in the world of sustainability for some reason, but I, when I was at New Alchemy Institute 30-something years ago, we had a whole permaculture program, and it was largely about growing edible landscapes, fruit trees, nut trees, things like that, but, but your view of permaculture, as you defined it just a second ago, a few minutes ago, is, is quite a bit broader. It's, it's, the, it's the complete sort of eco ecology. Uh, it's not just, not just the, uh, the plants and the trees, it's transportation systems, energy systems, is that is that right? Is that your view? Well, so go back to the three major drivers. So the Garden City Theory was turn of the century. They tried to build cities after it. There are these round cities where it was before really the automobile got large where you can walk. Um, at that time, there's horrible housing problems, lack of air quality inside the houses. Um, heating and stuff was being produced through coal that was choking people. And that was, that was the problem then. And we don't really know about that anymore. Okay, so that, that was here and gone. The theory of acoustics, I'm not sure when that was there or gone. It was some brilliant Greek thinker who just defined how human settlements emerge and boundaries. What are the boundary levels? And then when you go to uh, permaculture, yeah, it was, it was really big at, at one time. And, um, and it was about that. But I mean, it, it's sort of permacity, is, is, it, it's the spirit of that. It's where, it's really, how do you start with a, start with the location and how does it evolve sustainably to be sustain to be you have to be permanent to be sustainable otherwise you're always under threat so it's the same spirit it's you know and things come and go but permacity just means means that it's, it's just sort of an understanding yeah yeah and um, 
when did you then hone in on solar? I mean, I know you formed this company in 2003, so 13 years ago, but was it right after the college that you went directly and you sort of said, within this world of, of permaculture and this need to transform society, this is the niche that I'm going to, how did that come about? No, I was a frustrated lost person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, me too. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> like most of us, right? right. So uh, after, after college, uh, I was a lucky frustrated lost person. Yeah. After college, I came uh, back here and I got my first job at Economics Research Associates. They're known for Disneyland, master plan communities. And for three years, uh, and we did the high-speed rail that just got approved. I was one of the economists on the high-speed rail. And I learned a lot about um, really the fundamentals of drivers in the, in the economics and analysis of how things get done. So I was very thankful for them for giving me a job. It was during the recession. Not many people got jobs. Um, and they gave me a great job and great ocean view office. And I, and I really learned a lot from all the... I had the opportunity to work with a lot of the sen all, all the senior execs there. And it was just amazing learning experience. For, for three years. Then I, I went into real estate development, but I really knocked my head on the wall because it wasn't sustainable. And I'm like, why did I, I kept saying, why did I go to college and study sustainable development? Why am I an urban planner to, uh, to just do things I really don't believe in? So it was a very big conflict. So there was no really place for me to go. And then I went into high tech. I said, well, tech's got to change the world. I had a, a good mentor of mine, a great friend, and he was running a tech company and I consulted with them and we, they, we did all sorts of great things in optics. It was really fun to help their market, but of course that wasn't me. And then while I was doing that, we had the energy recession where um, Southern California went, almost went bankrupt. And I was yeah. sitting with a, a couple of people. I said, well, let's just go buy the, the, the biomass and, and sell it to a few big customers because Edison, there's, there's, there's no market for it. And so we, we ended up with a pretty good company. It wasn't sustainable because of course Edison wanted all the power back. and. Um, it, it just it just wasn't really the, the, the a model. It was an early model, but through that I wanted to start solar, especially when I saw that LA City really got my attention when they they had an 85 up to an 85 percent rebate, and um, back into and I said great, we'll I'll just start my own solar company fully dedicated and use that rebate and grow with this technology. So we built the first freestanding system in Los Angeles in the end of 2003. It's on Earth Island Natural Foods. Um, the inverter's never gone down in 13 years. It's, ama it's, it's amazing. The people there were amazing. They became really, really, I consider them just spiritually good friends. Um, and they had gone through their own walk in growing their business, which is now just an amazing business as well. And then since then, it's all, it's all really grown. Permacity's been dedicated to the rooftop, to solving the problems on the rooftops. We, if we felt if we could solve the problems on the rooftops, solar would go on the rooftops. So I'm kind of steering it to where we are now. But now you're talking more commercial than residential. You started residential, didn't you? Or a commercial, but we had to do residential because there's no commercial market. I see. Right. So my passion has always been in the flat commercial rooftop because the volume, if you solve at the commercial level, I believe that 60% of our power will be generated what I call in in basin, in network, yeah. where we live as opposed to not where we live. We have a lot Same of energy. Zero net energy as opposed to buying out and buying solar from the desert or wind from the desert or from far away. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the Permacity Theory. So in yeah. the Permacity Theory, um, I, I got to write a theory because I took one less class and I got to graduate pretty quickly. I thought that was pretty neat, right? Just stay up a little later at night, write, write a minute. And so the, the, the guidelines that I learned in graduate school said, if you can find a technology, pick a technology, and you're sure it's a technology driver, that it'll change the, it'll change the pattern of human settlement around you. And so that's what I 
what I what I saw, um, and that's why I, I do commercial rooftops, yeah. is because it really fits with everything I've learned and, and studied. Yeah, yeah. And then was it the Costco work that really was that when Perma City really took off in scale? Or um, so. So Perma City first built the largest freestanding system, which was 112 for Earth Island. Then we built another when one. When you say freestanding, it was uh, it was an early version that the building code won't let you do now. It had a uh, it had a way of uh, working like an aircraft wing, and it would um, not let the panels get airborne. But it was on a rooftop. It was on a rooftop. It's, it, the system still exists today, and it's. And it was a net meter. It's a net metered system. It's a net metered system. It's just yeah. that was where you said freestanding. That was the racking. The racking, yeah. System. The racking was the racking. You really have time. become, you know, you're, 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 you built your reputation on racking of solar panels. We do, because because what happened is we we've seen other people's innovations and none of them, uh, they either didn't work from a building code perspective or they didn't work from a cost perspective. So Perma City, um, through the great training of the city of Los Angeles, because city of Los Angeles is a great train. People are very smart here. We have very strict building codes. Um, again, we have smart people that interpretate building codes in in in, in I would say in in very appropriate ways. It forced us to come out with something that worked for all the to, was safe for an earthquake point of view, yet was also freestanding from an owner's point of view. The reason why the freestanding is important is no one wants the thousands of roof penetrations if they can avoid it. Yeah. it um, people worry about roof, roof leaks. Yeah. Now with Costco. Oh, going the, back to Costco. Yeah. Right. You I mean you took me up on one of the Costco I think in Culver City. Right. That, and they were they had all these they have, they, they have a standing seam roof that's their that's their standard roof. And you invented a, a you have a patented uh, little foot that clamps on, much that, like that. That clamps so on. So that's the evolution of the Costco patent. Yeah, we, we had a, we had a patent issued on Costco, which allowed us to go onto a standing seam roof and clip to it without rails. Made it very fast, efficient, without without with very little waste, and very labor friendly. So yeah, that did. We we did 30 Costco's. They're a great client. I learned a lot from them. And um, great, great people to great people to work for. And so you get an even better discount when you go in Costco. You just say, "Hey, I'm the solar guy," and you know. <laughs> I tried that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a friend they of said, who's the founder of Costco. They, they said we're already discounted full price, please. <laughs> so, but, but it was Costco that got you going with with patents, with racking systems, and that's really what's led us here to the solar strap, which is an awesome invention. And I remember Joe Desmond saying, who's a former CEC president, saying, "You know, this could transform." Commercial rooftop solar installations in America, and maybe even around the world. How much does it? How much does it save on a conventional system? Or how do you how do you define the benefit of the of the solar shaft? I understand it's freestanding, no penetrations, but in terms of we're watching all these guys install, it's fast. What, what what's the benefit of solar strap? Well, it's consistency, right? So the problem is we have areas with high winds, low winds, earthquakes, roofs tilt in all sorts of directions, different roof materials. There's just too many variations right. on a roof, um, so we needed um, we uh, on a flat roof. We just needed something that could address all those issues, uh, marine grade, non-marine grade. So and so, solar strap was was created um, to address all those issues. Just to come up with one product that you could use universally in any location, so you don't have to modify this if you move inland or if you're in a in a high wind, higher wind area or, or anything? Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's officially, so we've actually gone to the extent, uh, we, we've, not only does it have a UL certification, but there, it has an ICC test criteria that we, we have that's, that will soon have its own ICC number, um, which means it really has its own building code. Um, so yeah, you can go anywhere with it, build anywhere with it. 
And how long did it take you to get this product accepted by building officials? And I guess building owners are probably easier than building officials. But what, was that a five-year evolution oh, here? I don't or? think I've ever stopped to think about that. And we just yeah. do it. Um, yeah. Well, I think that, 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 that the standards are very high. We had to get our own ICC number and commit to that. It's a very long process. And then we learned by going through ICC that they're not any easier than the building department. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a there's a safety factor of minimum safety factor of five. I mean, everything here has to be five times stronger than what it needs to be to get to get to it to get the, to to uh, comply with that test criteria. Right. Um, actually, the solar strap attachment is so strong it's it's usually ten times or more. So what, one of the big problems was that we've always had is working with ballast is, in addition, you're, 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 we're actually sitting on a roof made of two by fours and half inch Feel OSB, yeah. springy, right? Yeah. Um, it can't handle the extra weight. So we would get to roofs and it couldn't handle the weight or, so we needed to create a system of that, that nature, but it has to also be really strong from, uh, from wind loading, thermal expansion. There's, any, there's just a lot of uh, moving parts and the, the solar strap, through years and years of experience, um, addresses that, and it's it's gone through all the testing and certification to make it acceptable in the building departments. Right. The the city of LA, I have to say, was 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 very helpful because they were so um, strict on what they wanted to see, and they guided us that this is what we need. This is what you need, and if you can feel if you can fulfill that requirement, you got it. And it's just sort of like a yes, sir, and then we find like we're the only one to ever do that. Yeah. From a commercial system, and your and your goal, John, as you've told me before, is is not for Perma City to be the only installer of solar strap. In fact, you'd like to sell solar strap to solar companies all over the country. So yeah, right now, uh, right now we're uh, so right now we have a, a pretty large capacity in our in our in our fabrication facilities that are in Los Angeles and Los Angeles County. We have uh, two of them going right now, uh, and uh, and they're they're pretty much working nonstop. I offered. Uh, when we when we won the Fit 50 with the late Sun Edison company, who now was had to be replaced halfway through, um, challenges of solar, of course, uh, project still here. The uh, my, the competitor I offered to help them with their projects, and they actually eventually took me up on it. So all of the uh, projects at the port through my one of my largest competitors, and now another large part about seven megawatts of roof, are, are all being done with solar strap. There are now our so my largest competitor is now our largest customer, and we're working together. And Perma City really believes in that collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. So we're and, and we have a <clears throat> we're still we still not even officially in our in our launch phase, but we do have about ten customers um, ordering many systems. They, they they like it. and They keep reordering. The as you noted, the labor is fast. The simplicity is is there, and the, and it's it's very easy to a lot use. Of things come, a lot of things yeah. come together. What um, what do you think of like when you when you wake up in the morning you think about this job what what excites you most about it I know that there's a lot of elements but is it just the sheer magnitude that you're you, you've just seen yourself get to this point or is it the use of vents or is it local manufacture what is it all those things combined it's it seems like it's an elegant in its in its uh, and how it all comes together oh so I'm gonna go back to uh, my education. Okay. So I have a degree in, in science and a degree in, in city and regional planning, and I have a graduate degree in sustainable development. So I don't think I would take go to that extent and have those degrees if I wasn't really committed to the things that it really stands for. So let's if we break that down, of course the environment is number one. 
Um, but social justice is also very high, pretty much next to that. Because if, if it doesn't do you any good to protect the environment if you don't have, let's call it, if you don't socially in include people. So I'm very proud of this job. And, and again, this isn't the first time we try, but this is, I think we've really succeeded here, is we have um, 60 vets, young vets who have returned from serving our country who now have careers in solar. And I'm very excited uh, when I talk to them is because they all come back with the GI Bill and they, they, they can still do their education. So they not only they have great pay and a career, they can decide, do I want to become an engineer? Do I want to become a project manager? Do I want to do something else? This is, this is really giving, socially including, giving hope to people who really had a hard time finding a job. Yeah. And, 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 I'm, and, and I, I think that's what it's about. As we recreate our world in a sustainable way, um, it becomes important. Yeah, I, there was one thing that you, you mentioned before when we were back. I forgot to tell you that the permissivity view on, on capital, right? So the permissivity, I, I was able to break down, get an understanding, my understanding, and it's how, how we think, is you have capital, and we called it earth capital, that, that's the resources. And by and large, for the last 2,000 years, humans have been fighting over resources. Because we know if we control resources, we become very wealthy. Often at the expense of something else, but again, it's a very easy way to become wealthy. Then you have human capital, that's where you control a lot of human beings, and of course you can become fairly wealthy. Um, you have individual capital, that's we get up in the morning, we make our contribution. And so I'd like, I really like to set up a system where, in our company, where people can really pull their individual capital, those people coming to work. Do they want to start their own company? Can we supply them solar strap? Can they be, so some, a lot of the people who used to work for me are now my customers, my early customers, and I'm really proud of them. They're, 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 they may not, I mean, it's hard to build jobs this big. They may, I'd be happy for that. But they're building a lot of, they're also building jobs and they're doing really well for themselves. Yeah. So I really like, so that, that really motivates me, the fact that we can build a better world and that we can find a way to um, work together and give people, and if we give people amazing opportunities and hope, I think we'd be surprised on where our evolution as a species go, right? Yeah. Where, do we, where do we go as humans? I think there's a lot of things left to explore. So you cover okay. sort of the, some of the environmental benefits, some of the social benefits, mm -hmm. and then in terms of the economic benefits, this is an incredible win-win-win right here. Um, everybody, you got local jobs going on, uh, local manufacturer going on, uh, the owner of this facility is getting a brand new roof and getting lease payments, it's, the project is being financed, people are making money. It's, uh, this, is a, this is a very cost-effective installation, isn't it? Well, so the technology has allowed us to uh, satisfy everyone, right? The workers get high pay, the owner gets, the owner gets a new roof, they get rents, the city gets the power. Um, so thank, thankfully, the technology is at a point with a, te uh, a technology advantage, um, even though there's been very limited success on the feed-in tariff program, we intend to change that, share our technology, and help everyone succeed. So yeah, that's, it's really nice. To, it's nice that we have room for that. Yeah, and I'm very motivated by that, and we think that's a very healthy place to be. And everyone in this project has been fantastic. The landowner, fantastic. Um, people, the uh, the unions, fantastic. Everyone, I can't say this is this is this is really a dream come true to to be able to be in a leadership role on this project. Yeah, well, congratulations on that. I mean, you you are the guy that's pulled all these pieces together and created that win-win-win-win situation. You know, what, what are you, some of your favorite statistics for this project? 
Well, there's only there's a couple of buzz points that I always tell people. I'm going to give you the the the, the global view. It's 16.5 megawatts total. That's just big. Yeah. For a roof, it's it puts out 45 percent more power during the lifetime than standard modules because we're using um, extremely high quality, high powered um, bifacial modules. Yeah. Right. And so not, so not only is it big. It's powerful. Um, last one, we just got to go back again. It's waterproof. <laughs> you got, you got uh, over, you know, let's say you got, I can't remember the exact number of modules, but let's just say you got like 40, let's just round it, say 50,000 modules on the roof. Yeah. Now, normal systems would need about two holes per module. That's 100,000 holes. There's not one hole in the roof. And of course, I said we're sitting on two by fours. The average, the weight of this system is less than two pounds per square foot. So I think those are the most important things. It's big, it's powerful, it's waterproof, and it's lightweight. And we're and we're not talking square foot any square feet. Oh, anymore. I'm sorry. We're talking acreage. Oh, we're, we're not about talking, a, we're not talking one or two acres. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 sitting on uh, the roof. The roof is 1.9 million square feet. We always round it up to two for easiness. But you're you're looking at a hundred acre complex, and so so people are coming to me like I got 12 acres. Can I build a utility? I'm like, well, that's not that big because we're building a hundred acre roof. <laughs> you know. And so, how many people are on? I mean, on site you are, are workers, and I guess you've got you got some groups that are putting down the new roofing. That's probably subcontracted separately. I would imagine then um, you've got all the companies doing the solar installation. Well, or? let me give you the, the major the major construction partners. Okay. So. Partner number one is is uh, Clark Roofing, great roofing company. Mm -hmm. um, they do a lot of industrial roofs. They're 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 replacing all the roofs. Partner number two is Leaders Solar. Yeah. Leaders. Leaders is the one that I we actually um, sponsor them. It's it's not my company, but I sponsor them to start the company so that we can give the veterans an opportunity mm -hmm. and that we can take care of the veterans, the union, all that stuff. And they're just doing a fantastic, fantastic job. Um, Partner number three is, is is Baker Electric. They're one of the leading electrical and solar uh, contractors. Yep. And of course, they're a large union shop. They're really able to manage that manpower we need. And uh, partner number four is PDE. They are the, the leading, I call them the leading high voltage union subcontractor. Um, and they're also the battery experts. So we, we're very excited to work with them because not only are they just so amazing at what they do, but they're also the battery leader, and when and again, of course, it's obvious to see that we're, we're all moving towards batteries soon to help with the um, the power shortages caused yeah. caused capacity by. issues. Yeah, we uh, Dan Henricks and Dan Cohey are are buds at this point. We were over at the ETI, the Training Institute, uh -huh. going through their whole microgrid. Now, there's no plan for batteries here, are there? There's no plan at or this storage? time. Um, we're going to be looking on, into them for my next projects. Yeah. And we're, we're, what we're doing is we're studying what it means to blend batteries with, with the fit. And we, we do have some very large announcements. And of course, the two Dans, your buds, yeah. um, just amazing people to work with. Yeah. I, they've, they've, they've really, I really yeah. enjoy working with them. Yeah. And I want to sort of shift towards just your future vision. We talked about your college days and your you know, urban planning and sustainable development sort of focus. Is, is this, I mean, just in terms of your future vision for energy, is is it going to look like this, do you think? Are we going to have modules and racking systems, or 
what's, what's solar going to look like uh, in you know, 10 years, 20 years? What do you think? Well, I, I love science fiction, but I like to live in reality. <laughs> we are sitting on two by fours. <laughs> yeah. So carbon nanotubes aren't, aren't quite here yet. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 I think that what's important to know is what do we actually just need to do? We, I don't think, I, I think we know we have a direction where we're going, but if I waited for all the claims that we've seen come and go in, yeah. in our careers, right? You and I have been doing this a long time. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't be anywhere. Yeah. So I'm very practical. We have a very practical approach to use. I mean, the solar panel industry has done a great job in driving down costs. It now costs what we it costs less to build this entire job than what we used to pay for one solar panel when we started. Yeah. You have to remember that. So they've done they've already done their job in driving down costs. Uh, I think it's very elegant. We shade the roofs, we increase the environment, we use materials that are recyclable. <coughs> I think for now, until someone can prove there's a any kind of breakthrough, that this is the way to go. At least on the solar on the solar side. That's my vision for solar. I just don't like to take a risk on things that may or may not happen. I like to drive forward with what we can do now. And again, the industry has already driven down those costs. Yeah. It, if you want to know Permacity's future, what I see, well, Permacity is permanent city, and I do say that it evolves. So let's imagine that we've powered all our rooftops. If you look around this rooftop, you really can't see it from the street, right? You right. might see it from the mountain. It's pretty when you look out the mountain. But you know, it's here. It's here for 30, 40 years, and I think if it's per, if we're powering the equivalent of 5,000 homes, I think that's good enough. If, however, we decide to power inside our at the least disruptive way to the environment, which is inside the urban limits, um, then we got to move to the next problem. So the next problem is, you know, we have the issues water, right? And so primary city, we got our eye on trying to look at how we both contribute to the energy needs and solve some water issues. Um, and so we're going to start to look at that next year. We're going to have some really interesting announcements. I think, I think we see a very practical thing. So remember, the Permacity Theory, Perma 30, yeah. Permacity theory says if you can see something that you know is a, game, uh, you know is a, a, a technology dr uh, changer, meaning that you know it will contribute to stimulate the evolving community, we should latch on to that as long as it works. So we've latched onto our solar panels. Now we've got to latch onto something that, that helps with the water and, and continue the energy. And the last issue, there's two other issues that, that, that aren't solved. Is one is the uh, transit. We have just horrible, horrible transit issues in LA. Yep. I, don't know, I don't know how long it took you to get here and how frustrating it was, but. Um, I've been in my share of traffic jams, that's for sure. So there, there, is, there, is, there is a practical approach coming, an interim step to the future that for the next hundred years of how we both solve transit and energy. So Permacity can see that. We're excited to try to hopefully have the opportunity. And this technology, as it becomes more successful, will give, give us the opportunity to keep working on that. And then the last thing is building materials. I, we do think the building industry is doing a really good job of quickly moving towards sustainable building materials. So I really think we have to tackle the, the, the convergence of energy and transit next. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would love to work on that if I have the opportunity in my lifetime. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to your water ideas. That'll be that'll be fantastic. And and John, just wrapping, you've got you've got kids. How old are they now? Oh, I got a I got a clan. Yeah. What do you um, got? I got uh, two boys, uh, 15 and 18, and uh, then then we want to have a little girl, 
and she's nine, awesome, and then, uh, and then surprisingly we had another little girl, she's four, and she's just amazing. So I've definitely had to uh, make sure that whatever we do is uh, fully offset. And so our, the house is completely uh, carbon offset. Cars, heating, <laughs> and power. <laughs> and and, it, and it, it, it's great to have kids. Um, it's really great, it's really great to, to have kids. And I, I would imagine they're very, very proud of their dad. They're amazing kids, right? They're, they're, they're uh, I mean, all kids are amazing. Yeah, but, but you're, I'm, but I'm you're showing them, you're showing them what one man can do, who you know started started off as a surfer dude, if you will, and I'm sure that those days in New Zealand were very creative days. I've been there myself. It's a wonderful country, and you've woven around in your career, and and here we are. I, I get goosebumps coming up on this roof, and I can imagine uh, that if I were your kid, I'd be extremely proud of you, and. Uh, just as a friend, I'm extremely proud of you. So, oh. congratulations on all you've done. This is fantastic. Oh, well, thanks a lot. To, well, our kids are our teachers, right? They sure our are. Our kids are teaching us what what they're they're telling us what they need to be successful. They're telling us really what, what the world needs. So it's, it's it's nice to be able to learn from them. Yeah. But Ted, you've been a really good friend for many years and a big supporter. And I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to interview me. And uh, John, thank you for being part of this podcast. This is. Uh, truly inspiring to me and I know will be inspiring to all of our listeners and all of our viewers, viewers so, so thanks again. All right. Thanks, Ted.